The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March Design broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. How wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. How wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. If you're a returning listener, then we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. 
We rejoice in the message of salvation by grace alone, and we invite you to come and worship with us. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at six o'clock. So come and join us anytime that you can. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at my email address. It's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. We're going to hear a song and then bring to you a message from the Word of God.
There are very few individuals or families who are not affected by the subject that I have on my mind this morning, which is the subject of suicide. And how many times have we heard someone say that because a person committed suicide, they go to hell? It's an automatic hell sentence. But according to the examples that we find in the scripture, this is absolutely not true. And the reason this is on my mind this morning is because of a recent tragedy that we suffered in our own family where a great uncle of mine took his own life. He was 87 years old. But I want you to know, child of God, that if you've been affected by suicide, and no doubt probably everyone under the sound of my voice on this radio broadcast has been affected by this, I want you to know that the way a person leaves this world, it makes no difference on where they go. I've spoken before about things that I call spiritual urban legends, and this is one of the greatest spiritual urban legends that just because somebody commits suicide, well, that's an automatic hell sentence. Nothing could be farther from the truth, and rest assured, the Scripture is not silent about suicide. So we want to look at a number of examples this morning of people committing suicide in the Bible. And you may say, well, this is kind of a downer. Listen to me very carefully. I've been writing articles in several local papers for about 10 or 12 years now, and of all those years of writing a weekly article, that's about, what, 52 articles a year, give or take a few. And of all those times of writing articles, the greatest response that I have gotten from any series of articles that I have written over those several years is the articles on suicide that clearly states what the Bible says about suicide. And it is not an automatic hell sentence because someone commits suicide. Now, let me say this also. I bring this message in no way to glorify suicide. It's a sad and tragic way that so many people of all ages think that there's no way out, and so they choose to take their own life. Most of the time, what we hear about nowadays are young people in their teens and tweens and early 20s who are being bullied, or maybe at school they're facing great persecution or opposition, and they see no other way out, and so they take their own life. But listen, whether it's someone who's 87 or someone in their middle ages or if it's a young person, suicide is a sad way to deal with what someone thinks they can't deal with. So we in no way glorify suicide, but we do want to point out that when it happens, it is not a hopeless hell sentence for the child of God. And again, rest assured, the scripture is not silent about suicide. There are numerous examples of people committing suicide in the Bible, and guess what? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that because they committed suicide, there's an automatic hell sentence. On the contrary, if we can find just one example of a child of God who committed suicide, who is without question in heaven, then that issue is forever laid to rest. Now, before we look at that, I want us to consider something uh, on a much larger scale. And if you look in John, the 10th chapter, and the 28th verse, and the 29th verse, it says that Jesus declared that no man is able to pluck his children out of his hands. He says, I and my father are one. No man is able to pluck his children out of his hands or his father's hands. So we've got double coverage. That's what I like to say. You could picture the hand of the father resting underneath the hand of the son, and he says, I have my children in my hands. No man can pluck those children out, not even ourselves. Not even if we choose to take our own life, we cannot pluck ourselves out of the hand of God. And the Apostle Paul declared that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ in Romans 8 and 39. So nothing that we do or nothing that anyone does against us, Satan included, is going to keep us out of heaven. This is called eternal security, the final preservation of the saints. Because of the strength of Jesus Christ, because of the choice of the Father, and because of the work of the Spirit in the heart of a child of God, not one of God's children will be prevented from reaching heaven. 
This is a comforting thing to understand when we live in such a time of tragedy. I know that tragedy has affected you. It's affected me. There are seasons of tragedy, it seems, almost as if there are times in our life whenever things just seem to grow worse and several things happen all at once. I remember when I was 11 or 12 years old and I was in sixth and seventh grade in high school. And one year my brother was injured in a terrible way and my grandfather passed away a short time after. And within a year, a best friend of mine was killed by a gunshot wound. It was just a horrible time. And I remember how my grandmother, she grieved in this time. And she talked about there were just seasons of life where there seems to be darkness prevailing But there's always light, and I want to speak to you about some of that light here this morning. The first account of suicide we'll look at in the Scripture is found in Judges, the 16th chapter, and it is the example of Samson, who was the great judge in the book of Judges. One of the great judges, Samson, we find in a terrible condition in Judges 16 towards the end. Here we find him with his eyes put out, and he's grinding corn or wheat in the grinding house of the Philistines, having been made a pitiful slave and captive at their evil and wicked hands, as they worshiped their false god, Dagon, and made sacrifices to this false god that wasn't even a god in the first place, they began to call for Samson to come and make sport for them so they can mock him and further make fun of him. Because if you remember, Samson had killed a thousand Philistines at one time. He was a great warrior, but Samson had a problem. He had a weakness for wild women. That's basically what his weakness was. And he also broke the covenants that he had made as a Nazarite. The last covenant that he broke there was having his head shaved where he no longer had the long hair. The Nazarite vow involved several covenants, one of which was that the one who was a Nazarite would not shave their hair. Samson allowed Delilah to shave his head, and he no longer had the long hair. He lost his strength. And understand that the key to his strength was not in his long hair. It was in maintaining the faithfulness to the covenant that he had made to not shave his hair. And whenever he did, his strength was gone. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible is found in Judges 16 in verse 20, when she cried to him and said, Delilah said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep. He said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he knew not that the Lord was departed from him. He was in such bad shape that he didn't even know that God was gone from him. And you know what happened? They put his eyes out, as I said, and they put him in the grinding house. And now they call for him to come and make sport for them, make fun of him, spit on him, laugh at him, kick him around, because he can't even see. And we read the amazing and dramatic account in Judges 16 of where Samson tells the lad in verse 26, the one that held him by the hand, suffer me that I may fill the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. And the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women. And behold, While Samson made sport, and Samson called unto the Lord, even in this terrible condition, in the midst of all of the din and noise of this party, this drunken fest that was going on around him, this mocking party, he said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee. (laughs) There's a song that we sing that's a favorite of mine that says, O Lord, remember me. And I tell you what, if you read the scripture, you'll find some people that called upon the Lord saying, remember me. One right here is Samson. When he was blind, he had no more strength. He could not even help himself. Another place where you find one saying, Lord, remember me, was that old thief on the cross as he hung there next to Jesus and had been cursing his name prior to the Spirit coming upon his heart and giving him life. He says, Oh, Lord, remember me. And here Samson says, I pray thee, strengthen me, Lord, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. 
Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up on the one with his right hand, the other with his left. And Samson cried out, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. And did you notice he committed suicide? He brought the house down. Literally, (laughs) he brought the house down at this drunken fest party where he was being mocked and made fun of. And so Samson committed suicide as he died among the Philistines. But take hope, because in the book of Hebrews, we read that Samson didn't go to hell for doing this. It was not a hell sentence. On the contrary, we know for a fact that he is in heaven because he's listed as a child of God in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11.32. It mentions him by name. And it settles forever the issue of what happens when a child of God commits suicide. We don't glorify suicide where someone chooses to do that and rip themselves away from family members that love him. But we glorify God in heaven who, in spite of suicide, in spite of death in any form, in spite of drowning, in spite of burning up in a house fire, in spite of being killed in a war, in spite of natural death by natural causes, in spite of all that, We believe in a God that is able to deliver us from any form of death that may come upon us, and there's no special exception for suicide. The child of God will never be removed or remove themselves from the hands of our mighty Savior. Now, there are other examples of suicide in the Scripture that we want to look at. Let's turn over to 1 Samuel 31, and I want to read in verse 4. It says, Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me or torture me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And watch this now, verse 5. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men that same day together. What a horrible scene this is. And I hope, child of God, that we don't find this depressing to look in the Scripture and see these horrible scenes, the scene of the suicide of Samson or the scene of the suicide of Saul and his armor-bearer. We don't look at this to glorify the horrible scene, but we look at it to glorify God in heaven who is able to overcome such horrible scenes. And we can reach the conclusion without question that just because a person commits suicide, it is not an automatic hell sentence. We see here that Saul asked his armor-bearer to kill him. And by the way, that's what we would know today as an assisted suicide. The armor bearer would not do it. So Saul thrust himself on his own sword. He committed suicide. And King Saul, he had a dramatic life, did he not? He started off strong as the first king, but through second-guessing God's word, through disobedience, through jealousy of David, it all started there. Through insecurity, through unrepented sin, he fell hard and went into some dark places. He became bitter, he was jealous, he was angry, and often seemed somewhat schizophrenic. Finally, here we find him in First Samuel. He has no place to run, no place to hide. The Philistines are pressing hard upon him. Some of his sons have already been killed, and he commits suicide rather than fall into the hands of the Philistines and be tortured to death. You know, this is a horrible side of Saul that we have just talked about, how jealous and angry and bitter he was. But don't forget this. It says in 1 Samuel 10 that he also, in an earlier in his life, prophesied by the Spirit of God. Only a child of God can prophesy by the Holy Spirit. 
It also says in the scripture that he loved spiritual music and it had a calming effect upon him. You can read in 1 Samuel 16 and 23 where David came and played for him at one point and it calmed him. Saul even confessed his sin at times. If you remember whenever Saul was confronted with David there at the cave of Injadi where David was inside the cave and he could have destroyed Saul, he could have killed him. And Saul confessed his sin, that he had sinned against God whenever David confronted him of how close Saul came to being killed, although David said he would not touch God's anointed. And Saul showed great compassion on others at times. Saul was a conflicted and afflicted person. Do you know anybody like that? Maybe that's you this morning struggling with conflict in your life and affliction in your life and struggling with your feelings and your desires and wondering what is the right thing to do at times. Do we struggle that way? I know I know people like that. I'm sure you do. Maybe you're one of those people. And poor Saul finally succumbed to his afflictions, and eventually he dies here by suicide. And not only that, but he even led another person to commit suicide. There the armor bearer committed suicide right after that. Oh, what a terrible condition, and what darkness Saul was in. Oh, and how many people today see the example of one committing suicide and follow this sinful example? The world wants us to think that it's hopeless, but Jesus is our great hope in any situation. So I know maybe we're wondering, how do we know that Saul went to heaven? How do we know that suicide didn't affect where he went when he died? First of all, we've already seen the example of Samson, that one Bible example is enough to establish that suicide is not an automatic hell sentence. But look a little deeper at Saul. The day before he died, when Saul went to a witch, yes, Saul went to a witch to ask her about what he needed to do. Isn't that a terrible, pitiful condition? First Samuel 28. So Saul goes to this witch, and by the way, Saul had issued a law at some point while he was the king that said witches were banned from the kingdom. <laughs> and here Saul himself violates his own law, and he goes to a witch. And he asked the witch to call up Samuel to tell him what to do. And Samuel is called up by the witch. Don't ask me to explain all of that. I just know that Samuel appears and Samuel chastises Saul. It appears that God has allowed Samuel to appear miraculously and speak to Saul from heaven. And Samuel says this to Saul, tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. That's in verse 19 of 1 Samuel 28. Go check it out. And Samuel, of course, the prophet of God was in heaven. So here's how we know that Saul and his sons are in heaven. By the way, one of those sons with Jonathan, is anybody going to be so daring to say, well, Jonathan didn't go to heaven? Of course Jonathan went to heaven, and the other sons of Saul went to heaven, and Saul himself went to heaven because Samuel said, tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. We know where Samuel was, then we know where Saul is. Samuel was in heaven. You see, the plain language of the scripture comforts us in knowing that no matter how we leave this world, nothing can prevent us from being with the Lord. One last example that I want to give of suicide from the Scripture is found over in the New Testament. There's a fellow that everyone is familiar with whose name was Judas Iscariot. And I admit that this is a more negative example than the first two, but it's clear from Scripture that Judas went to hell when he died, that the way that he left this world did not change where he went. Here's an example where a man committed suicide and he wound up in hell. Now listen, it's been debated and kicked around for years. Oh, whether or not Judas was a child of God or not, or whether or not he wound up in heaven. Who was Judas? He's described as the son of perdition in John 17 and 12. He's described as a devil in John 6 and 70. He's described as the traitor in Luke 6 and 16. He's described as a thief in John 12 and 6. Also, in John 6 and 64, it says that Jesus knew who it was that believed not and who would betray him. 
It means that Jesus knew that Judas was not a child of God. And someone may ask, well, why was he appointed or chosen to be one of the apostles? Listen, the reason that I believe he was appointed or chosen to be one of the apostles is for two reasons. Number one, that the scripture might be fulfilled. God said that there would be one among them that would be a betrayer, and that was Judas Iscariot. And number two, I believe he was chosen to be an apostle. It doesn't mean he was a chosen child of God, but I believe he was chosen to be an apostle to prove that someone who was shown such favor from the Son of God, a natural man without God in his heart, even though he was shown such favor and ate under the same roof as Jesus and was provided in the same way that Jesus was monetarily and different things that took place while Jesus was in his earthly ministry, and still that wasn't good enough. He was still betrayed by natural man. So even the best of natural men that was provided for by God in a natural way would still betray him. And now listen, I'll say this, okay, just a disclaimer. We all get to heaven one day and we're walking up there and here comes Judas walking and he's in heaven I will apologize to him. I promise I will. But Judas, from all evidence of the scripture, is not a child of God. He was numbered as an apostle simply to fulfill the scripture that he would betray the Son of God, and the best of the natural man still betrayed Jesus. Once Judas had betrayed Jesus, you know what happens. It says that he went out and he hung himself. He killed himself. He committed suicide, not because he was spiritually sorry, but because he knew he was a condemned reprobate, according to Matthew 27 and 3. Judas manifested that he was a wicked, evil deceiver, and he consistently proved it throughout his life. Just read the scripture as it comes to him. There's no redeeming qualities about Judas. And in Acts 1 and 25, Peter himself said that when Judas died, he went to his own place. Now, child of God, ask yourself this question. Is heaven our own place? Is it a place that we deserve to be? Absolutely not. Or is it a place that God has prepared, where mansions have been prepared? You see, the Lord has given us a place, his place. It belongs to him. And I don't think anyone would be so arrogant as to say that they deserve heaven or that heaven is a place of my own or that I own it myself. Oh, child of God, if you're hurting this morning over the loss of a loved one, if you're hurting over a suicide, or if you're contemplating something terrible like that this morning. Let me speak directly to you. There's a better way. There's hope. There's light in Jesus Christ. Suicide is not an automatic hell sentence. No, we read in the scripture that just because someone leaves the world through suicide or through other means of death, nothing will prevent them from being with Jesus Christ in heaven, not because of some inherent power within themselves, but because of the power of an almighty God because of the power of the son of God who said, I will not suffer one of my children to perish, but I will make a way for them. And child of God, if you're grieving this morning over that, take hope. There was a lady that contacted me that had read an article I wrote several years ago about this. And she was in tears because she'd been told that her daughter had gone to hell because she committed suicide. I'd been suffering with that for 18 or 20 years. I was so happy to share with her the good news that the way we leave this world does not dictate where we go. But the Lord Jesus Christ has dictated where we go. And we see in the example of Samson, who's listed in the Hall of Faith, his suicide didn't send him to hell. And we see in the example of Saul that his suicide didn't send him to hell. And we see in the example, the negative example of Judas, that just because Judas committed suicide, it didn't change where he went. He went to the place that he deserved to be. And child of God... By the grace of God, when we leave this world, no matter how we die, by suicide or other means of death, natural causes, burning up in a house fire, falling off a building, drowning in the water, whatever it may be, 
we will not alter our destination by how we die. May we praise God for the consistency of his salvation, and I hope this message brings us comfort in knowing that God's mercy is greater than anything that happens to us or that we'd even do to ourselves here on this earth. May the Lord richly bless you, is my prayer. been listening to the march to zion broadcast for more information contact 205-364-1396 or write to the march to zion broadcast p.o box 270 Carrollton, alabama 35447 bethlehem primitive baptist church is located seven miles east of gordo and 10 miles west of northport just off highway 82 on the boyd road near ecola services are each sunday at 10 30 a.m and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.